Um, so I can't actually, I can't watch it right now. You know yeah. what I mean? There's just too much. Like, I don't know. I can't watch comedy, which I mean, we're on a, we're on a comedy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. This is what we do. I mean, I don't know, but I, I can't you wait. You mean political comedy. Yeah. I can't watch. Well, even like comedy right now, I just, I'm, I'm not, everything's so bleak. I feel like right now for me, is the, it for that way for you? No, I, humor, you can find humor in anything really, but it's like, you got to have that sense of humor for you. By the way, I love your glasses. You get yeah. new glasses? No, no, these are my old ones. They too. look on point. They're transition, but they're like 40, I paid 44 bucks. Well, they look dope. Okay, wait, yeah, wait, sorry. You can find humor in anything. Is that what you're saying? What are yeah, we talking about? I'm just saying you well, don't need to. I'm spinning up here, so. Talk to me. Talk at me. <laughs> you don't need to take everything so seriously. You know, you find humor in everyday things, right? <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about masks. Are you okay with that? Like, should, no. If you say no. Like just the mask people put on every day. We could talk about that. Okay. Like masks. Or literal masks. <laughs> like we're going to. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Just the, I mean, we'll we'll dance around it. We'll okay. talk around masks. Okay. Yeah. Like the cartoon mask, I remember that. <laughs> the the precautionary principle. Okay. I think I'm following you now. <laughs> Are you familiar with the precautionary principle? Not particularly. I wasn't either. I wasn't either. <laughs> but now I am. Um, so basically, this was cited by uh, our state, Utah, mm-hmm. as one of 130 studies they shared with me on mask efficacy. Right? Mm-hmm. The idea is you have hypotheses, right? You test them, and, and when they're proven, they become like a law, right? Well, you have to test them multiple times, too. Yeah, yeah, right. So the problem with masks is we don't actually have robust controlled studies on masks, mm-hmm. right? And especially not for COVID. We have some studies on influenza. Most of them are from China, right, mm-hmm. that I've seen. Like, there's like, there was like three dozen, not that many. There was like half a dozen from China. And then there was like a handful of various others, right? Yeah. All of varying quality. Most of the ones that we have any kind of control on are, are, are hospital workers, which makes sense because those people, we, we have access to know when they're wearing masks. We can know how compliant they are. We can know if they're fit testing. It's it's pretty much their standard progress, uh, process, I mean, sorry. Right. Right. So so the issue that we have is we don't actually have conclusive data. We suspect that they work. We suspect that they're effective. We don't know how much. Um, the precautionary principle is, according to Wikipedia, uh, a strategy for approaching issues of potential harm when extensive scientific knowledge is on the matter, when extensive scientific knowledge on the matter is lacking. So that, I mean, that, that sums it up right, now, right there. Right? The evidence is sparse and contested, Right. There is some indication that it works in some settings, mm-hmm. controlled settings, hospital settings, where people are also doing other things, mm-hmm. like frequent hand washing. Um, Which I have an interesting tidbit about that. Anyway, go ahead. So, hand washing wasn't actually practiced until like the late uh, 1900s, because they were just like, why were all these you know infant deaths happening? Doctors weren't washing their hands. They were just going to deliver the child, infect the child. You know, the mother would also get infected and die. Right, right, right. And then one doctor's like, what if we washed our hands and <laughs> made that... Right now, it's like laughable. You're I know, like- <laughs> it's laughable now. But as we learn about more and more stuff, because it's like what going... What if we wash washed our, our hands? hands? What if we did this? What you know? if we... 
What if we just tried? Yeah. What if we just did our jobs, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, geez, that worked, you know? And then it became common practice throughout all the hospitals. But up until then, he was a quack. He was a loon, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not us. It's the patients that are dying. It's them that are dying, not us. Right. Why would we wash our hands? Yeah. So it's it's like going into a, a the unknown again, you know? You have right. people that are like arguing against it, and then you have the people who are arguing for it. Right. But we don't, again, like you're saying there, there's not enough data to collectively say, right. this is how we're supposed to do it. We're on an unknown planet. So that would be that would be like this, kind of. This, yeah. this, I mean, um, that's... That would be... So that would be before we actually saw the evidence that hand-washing was actually saving lives, mm-hmm. um, making it a practice, making it mandatory, yeah. right? So I'm all... Here's the problem with that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to get to is obviously washing hands is effective and it's proven now. And mm-hmm. now that it's proven, yes, doctors everywhere should be doing it. Yeah. Here's the problem. What if they were wrong? <laughs> Back then? Right? Like, what if they were wrong and they mandated it, right? So they mandate mm-hmm. that all doctors have to wash hands. They don't actually know if it works, but they think it works. And then we found out that something in soap was killing the offspring you're talking about like before we know the alternate reality of that right yeah before we know that it works and that it's not doing more harm Mm -hmm. we should not mandate it are would you say mask mandating is doing harm right now i mean you're saying for people's freedoms that they don't want to wear a mask so what i'm saying is um there are okay. Let, let me let me step back a little bit yeah. here. Going back to the precautionary principle. Um, so there's 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 an they, they even raise the ethics of the question here. Sorry, I'm gonna get to your I'm gonna get to your question mm-hmm. in just a second. I just want to I want to try and see if I can restate this. Um, what I'm saying is that. Um, if you are unscientific in how you regulate behavior. So it is unscientific to make a statement such as, you know, masks work, right? Blanket factorial statement, mm-hmm. hand washing works. It is even if your gut instinct tells you that it probably works, mm-hmm. it is dangerous to assert that it works if it has not been proven. Oh. Does that make sense? So so if I haven't proven conclusively that something works and I state that it does, there is a great danger there. You're, you're bordering on religion. There's a difference between religion and science, right? Yeah. Religion, you can take something on faith. You're supposed to take something on faith. Well, that is religion. Science is supposed to be the opposite of that. Science is supposed to be fact-based, objective, <laughs> fact-based, and and proven. And so when you cry wolf, mm-hmm. when you state something as fact without actually knowing, it is the cries wolf problem. You and even though you're not necessarily inciting fear, um, you're you're inciting false confidence. You're instilling false confidence potentially. Potentially, but I mean, you're you're also okay. Would you go into space without a spacesuit? Right. You know that there's... Can you even get to space without a scientist to get Elon you Elon Musk did, you know, so... He's a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just talk to him, you know. But. Yeah. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like you can't... Space is not a natural state of being. No, right? okay. A better analogy than... Would you like, go into a You have to chamber? rely on, like, thousands of people <laughs> yeah. to get you there. You but would you mean? go into a gas chamber test area 
without a gas mask? Would you go into a gas chamber? Yes. <laughs> Period. Would you, would you, <laughs> End of story. Said, yeah. <laughs> but they're like, here, this will help you. You know, we've proven that this will at least not make you die as quickly. Is I wouldn't 100%? go in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Why are we going in there to begin with? Why do we go shopping, right? Whoa. Oh, good catch. <laughs> I would say that the motivations for going shopping are very different from the ones <laughs> <laughs> from entering a gas chamber. Well, the thing is, is that we're human, that we're very prone to disease and very weak. We leave our garbage everywhere. You know, we don't really care about one another. You know, we'll have people cough on other people. <laughs> we'll have people run around and just like, you know, kids will touch everything and start licking handrails and all that fun stuff I know my tooth broke <laughs> but <Sorry>. yeah <laughs> okay wait where are we going with this uh, it's just that disease is everywhere you know yes it is and new diseases are going to crop up that's inevitable yes this happened during the Spanish flu this happened during uh, SARS this happened during um, we get them pretty frequently for yeah, yeah. pandemics but the thing is is that this one has caused so much controversial and has spread so fast is because poor management, you know. Oh, there's so much I want to go in. Do you know how many people know what the infection fatality rate of this disease are? I go on Twitter, yeah, and I and I and I engage with the government there because it's the only channel I can really. I mean, I call the office, but they don't call you back. You know what I mean? They well, don't care, especially our governor. Our governor's a lame duck, by the way. He's not rerunning, mm-hmm. so he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I go on Twitter and I engage our, our, our coronavirus virus response team. I engage the community I, I, I discuss. Mm-hmm. And not once have I had a pro-mask wearing uh, counterpart bring a, a study, a journal, anything to the table. They just, they've taken it on blind faith, right? And, and one thing that they've also taken on blind faith is the severity. The original severity statistics that were coming out back in like February of this year mm-hmm. when it was like 1% to 3%, right? And that was even then known to be a case fatality rate. Most of the population doesn't know that there's a difference between a case fatality rate or an infection fatality rate. In, in fairness, if I ask you, do you know the difference? Well, one would be just like how many cases are actively attributed to their death actually made the death happen, right? Okay. Like their lungs failed, their innards. Versus the infection fatality rate is? You know, whatever they, they recovered or were able to. So, so I'm sorry, you're wrong, but yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't have known this question either yeah. before the epidemic. I've looked into it, right? Case fatality rate is, it, you, you take the number of cases, known cases, you know it's a case, meaning you tested them, mm-hmm. And you know, and you've asserted that they, they have that they have a case, right? Yeah. And then you take the number of known deaths that were caused by the virus, mm-hmm. independent of how many comorbidities there are, and you so you divide that over the number of known cases. The problem with that statistic is that the cases is variable depending on how many people you test. Well, I mean, you got it. That's the thing. So if, if you're, you're not testing, testing one, you could have a case fatality rate of a hundred percent. Yeah. Right, if you test one person and that one person dies and had the disease, your case fatality rate is a hundred percent. 
has nothing to do with the actual lethality of the virus. And that was the one to 3% statistic that was circulating back in January and February, because that's all we had. Mm -hmm. We didn't know how many people actually had the virus other than the ones that we were testing. And the only ones that we had the capacity to test back then were ones that were severely ill and they were coming in, right? So you had a huge selection bias where you're only testing the most sick people. You have no idea how many unsick people there are, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're, you're, you're using the known deaths over that figure. I'm sorry, that figure over known deaths to, to determine your case fatality rate. Why they even circulated that information, why the scientific community even brought out those, those numbers is appalling to me because of course people are going to panic. Mm-hmm. You look at a case fatality rate of 3 to 6%, right? You're going to be fucking terrified, right? So <laughs> the only thing that actually matters is the infection fatality rate. Now the problem with that is it's hard to get unless you have some sort of an estimation of how many people actually have the disease. Mm-hmm. You can't get at that figure. And even if you get it, it's going to be an estimate. Now, you can do statistically sound studies to get a reasonably good estimate. And that's what they should have done. Mm-hmm. Random sample studies. Once there was community spread, right? Random sample studies to figure out how many people in the community were infected and then taken that number over the fatalities to, uh, to, to better inform the public, right? Yeah. By the way, now, if you go on the CDC website, they have a much more accurate breakdown of what the infection fatality rate is. They have several estimations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, going all the way from, on the low end from, for, for, for people that are in their 30s to 40s, um, it, it's as low as 0. 0.00... Hold on a second. It's... it's um, Yeah, it's not. I gotta get this right. Mm. Hold on, Alex. I'm gonna pull it up yeah. right now. I'm gonna pull it up off the CDC website. Make sure I don't get it wrong. Well, then you know, there's people like me that I don't have an immune system. So, okay. So they have lots of scenarios listed. I'm gonna go with their current best estimate, right? Mm-hmm. Which it's I think, best, based off of yeah. Anyway, current best estimate for for people it's it's point zero 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 two. So that's point zero two percent. It's not one percent. It's not point one percent, which would be one out of a thousand. It's point zero two percent, which is like one out of five thousand. Right? Um, it's insane. Right? Um, one in 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. And these people on average have 2.6 comorbidities, right? None of this, inf- if you look out on Twitter, the vast majority of people on Twitter don't know this data. They don't know it. They're mm-hmm. not looking for it and the media isn't covering it. Mm-hmm. Why? You know what I mean? Why are well, they the not covering gonna- it? You know, do what's best to get their numbers up. They want people scared because they're weaponizing this against Trump, mm-hmm. right? Against Trump. Well, he yeah. was the one on duty too, anyway. So, anyone who watches the show probably knows I'm no fan of Trump, mm-hmm. right? But weaponizing this virus against Trump is unethical. You know what I mean? Yeah, there are a lot of unethical things on either side, so it doesn't really. So anyway, going back real quick to this study. Um, they even raise the the ethical concern here. That they're aware of it. This raises an ethical question, they say. Should policymakers apply the precautionary principle now and encourage people to wear face masks on the grounds that we have little to lose and potentially something to gain from this measure? We believe they should. Mm-hmm. So that's what it comes down to. That's, that's all I need to cite from that study at this point. They say, 
we should apply the precautionary measure because there is little to lose. There's little risk, right? From their perspective, based off what they know, and this is the important part, because they don't know much. That's the whole point. That's why they're applying it, right? Because they don't know. It's because they don't know that they're applying this. Based off of not knowing how much risk there is and how much benefit there is, Mm -hmm. they're going to apply the precautionary principle. Uh, Thinking that there's much to gain, they don't know how much. They don't know if there's anything to gain. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And little to lose. They don't know that. They have no idea, right? Um, I'm going to pull up another study to talk a little bit more about that side of it. There are risks, potentially, that they're unaware of. Yeah. Right? Um, so they've brought up this precautionary principle to state that there is little to lose and much to gain, and that's why they're driving. Hold on. Cut that. I just That was way too repetitive. I've said that way, many, way too many times. Um, okay. So this is a problem for the scientific community because you are effectively crying wolf. The issue, the biggest issue here that I have with this, right, mm-hmm. is that if you're wrong, it erodes trust. Uh, th- there's a million problems with this. Not mm-hmm. a million, but there's several problems with this. The first thing is it erodes trust because what if you're wrong? And everyone believed you, right? And mm-hmm. if you go, again, if you go out on Twitter everyone's believing you, right? Mm. The governor is constantly railing on us day after day. Be compliant. Please comply. Please. I don't think he realizes that probably 80% of the population is compliant. Mm-hmm. They're wearing masks in public. Right? Most people are compliant. It's not working. <laughs> you know what I mean? Obviously. Um, well, that that's the thing. Most people, from what I've seen, you know, day-to-day things, here, because we are a red state and everything... People have been doing the anti-mask rallies and stuff like that and not really adhering to general, uh, I guess, cleanliness (laughs) times. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen little kids like on the, you know, going up to the escalator and just like putting their tongue on the edge and like... That's my whole point. Like (laughs) they force kids to wear masks in school. Yeah. Freaking preschoolers. I mean, these people are picking their... their, They're reaching around their necks. They're, They're... they're reaching Rich around their masks, necks. picking their nose, putting it on their partner's, you know, freaking like well, notebook. Well, they exchange masks too. Yeah. yeah. And then, and okay, but good. They've got their masks on. There's another thing too. You have to take off your mask to eat. So you can walk into a restaurant. There can be someone three feet away from you chomping down on a burrito, you know, mm. whatever, right? And and no, nothing wrong with that. Burritos are great. But the point that I'm trying to make is, right? Mm-hmm. They're breathing out all kinds of hot air through their mouth. Not even, you know what I mean? Just blah, 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 right? Chomping out on that burrito. You got to wear your mask to walk into that store. You turn around, you sit down, you know, mm-hmm. two, three feet away is your table. You sit down and you immediately take off your mask. Do we understand there's only one reason why this is passing, right? Because obviously there's a logical disjoint there. That somehow the mask is doing something for the three seconds that you walk in through the door. And then suddenly, because by virtue of the fact that you wore the mask into the restaurant, somehow you are then protected as you eat, as you yeah. dine, right? Because, because, uh, well, it's obviously <laughs> stupid and obviously logically flawed, but people are accepting it and the government's pushing it. And do you want to know why the government's pushing it? Because they can't afford to to lock down again. They can't afford to do the lockdown. Yeah. Well, the lockdown, it might actually go back because, you know, they keep 
things are escalating more because people are getting more and more sick. Well, not more and more, but having new cases all the time, you know? Yeah. They and, might bring it back. Yeah. So here's the problem. Um, if you're a business owner mm-hmm. and the go- and you tell the governor that you the can't the lockdown's going to break your business yeah. and he says well what can i do right well if i'm a business owner it would be great if i could fund a study a half a study to show you that wearing purple socks will protect you from the virus mm-hmm. just just go with me governor right <laughs> look tell the people to wear purple socks we've got a study right here that says purple socks work mm-hmm. purple socks up everybody right that's what happens, right? You push these studies because purple socks are better than a lockdown from a business's perspective. That's it's why we have business, masks, yeah. right? The masks were pushed, yeah, as an alternative <laughs> to lockdowns. That's why masks work suddenly when they didn't. You even had Fauci six months ago saying that masks didn't work. Why do masks work now? Because business Owners need to stay open. And I agree with them, frankly. Mm-hmm. To be honest, to be fair, if you're a business owner, you should have the right to stay open. You shouldn't have to lock down. But you shouldn't you should also not have to force your tenants to wear masks to enter your business. Right. And we've reverted to that as a way as it is a compromise. That's some coping thing that we have to do right now because you know, it's like you said before, you've you've shown studies and stuff like that, but then you're saying that no one else is showing you counter studies or anything else. No one will. If you go on Twitter and you and you and you tell people that you are against masks, mm-hmm. you will get a lot of hate. Well, yeah, that's because just it is general. not you're not virtue signaling at that point. Yeah. You're not part of the. You're not a good guy anymore, right? Because you don't care. Yeah. It's what the community thinks. It can't be possibly that you've looked at the data, right? They yeah. assume immediately that you don't care. So, um, you go on Twitter and you make that statement you will get yelled at. And if you bring studies, they will say, they will cite things like, oh, you can find a study for anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you say, well, then please bring your study, which I have done, mm-hmm. they won't. <laughs> and they don't. And they never do. I have probably been in half a dozen to a dozen debates on Twitter and not one soul has brought to the table a scientific study proving the efficacy of masks. You want to know my favorite thing to ask people online now is? It's not whether or not masks work. You ask them how, not not whether or not they're effective, how effective are they? Mm-hmm. How effective are masks, Adam? How, how much do they reduce transitions by, transmissions by? Right now, I, I don't have anything right now because I don't have... Neither does anyone else. And you're fine, by the way. Yeah. I don't have a laptop on me, so... Yeah, well, you couldn't find it if you did. I've looked. Okay. We don't know how much they work. We have no idea. We have studies that show how many particles they can reduce. Mm -hmm. But if you reduce the particle count in the air by 99.9%, it is utterly irrelevant if it only requires 0.1% to transmit. And people don't get that. Mm -hmm. Particle count is not transmission reduction. That's fallacy number one, okay? So reducing the number of particles in the air does not actually reduce 
the transmission rate if it only requires a very small portion of those of those particles to transmit. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's step one number one. Uh, there are studies indicating that this virus can survive as an aerosol in the air for up to three hours, travel twenty seven feet. I've right? heard yeah, I've heard many studies where they're just like, Oh yeah, we can it can survive on surfaces, uh, you know, plants, everything. You know, it's like whatever. But again, it's it's like the whole um Remember AIDS? The whole scare with AIDS? How does it transmit? Where do we get it, you know? I don't know. I, I feel like by the time we were adults, AIDS was already understood. Well, but, yeah, but by that time, but back in the 80s, you know, when okay. it was first circulating, they're like, why is this disease coming about? You know, who? why are this only one group getting it? Why is it not prevalent all over, you know? And it was very misunderstood, so they kind of, they didn't really do like a whole government rollout thing. Well, no, they kind of did. I mean, they did like, Key studies where uh, certain clubs were like, no, you can't go in here, you know. Yeah. You can't. So they, they were restricting people's freedom and movement there. Right. And then other, you know, the stigma of, you know, if you're gay, you get it and all this other stuff. So, you know, that, that spreads misinformation and a lot of, you know, not understanding the actual cause. Yeah, goes wild, and it's how like how long a, did it take us to actually understand AIDS? It took us. It took us at least until um, late nineties, I would say, because it was like ninety five, ninety six, and this started back in the early seventies. So all those years, that, that like a decade and a half. Yeah. All so the, how much? How well do you think we understand Corona right now? We don't. That's the thing. We, we have know. No idea. We know that we know that it does X, Y, and Z, right? But we don't know the beginning. The trend. You know, we can go back and uh, find out where it originated from. It's like Outbreak. You ever seen that movie? No. No, you never seen Maybe. Dustin Hoffman. Uh, so a monkey from the Congo was brought to America in a small little town, sold in a pet shop, and it had uh, the Matamba virus, they called it. Okay. But that virus killed instantly. So it was like people get sick and they die. Here's the thing with those type of, di- of diseases, though. Yeah. They don't penetrate as deep. So no. usually the ones that are super lethal, mm-hmm. because they're so lethal, like the people who get infected, they they stop con- contacting other people, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they get really freaking sick, and then they die. And it's like, if you don't come in contact with them within like 24 hours, you can't transmit. But they have, you know, they, uh, they have family, they have friends that they visit or f- they come visit them and they can transmit it too. Yeah, like but take you, the zombie thing, right? But usually if it kills you that severely and that fast, like y- usually it's really easy to, to, to quarantine that if it doesn't naturally quarantine itself, right? Because when you get that sick, you stop going out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's and the thing. Then, People aren't smart when it comes to that. They're, all they know is that they're sick and they panic, right? So they go out looking for help in the emergency rooms. But what I'm saying, though, is it, it's not the same. No, it's no. It's not like corona where you're going to go out for three weeks, mm-hmm. four weeks. You're going out to the clubs completely asymptomatic. You're dancing, right? You're, you're, you're going out preparing food. It's not like that where it can, it can be completely silent, and spread for weeks. No, I mean the number of people you can come into contact with the Mumbai virus, yeah, whatever, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, the number of people that you can, what is it called? The, the m- Matambi or something Matambi, like that. But whatever it is, it, it's probably like a dozen people. The number of people you can come in contact with with Corona is tens of thousands. You well, know I, mean? I think in the movie, so the guy got it. He was like a pet shop owner or something, and then he went out and he sold the monkey to someone else. So that got out, and then it just spread from there. Like it was an airborne virus that got mm-hmm. around, but with Corona, 
it does take you know you can spread it for weeks at a time until you're like oh you've been tested positive you need to you know quarantine yourself now right but that's the thing with a lot of mishandling has happened through this whole pandemic it's like oh we're just yeah we don't know if you actually have it or not we're going to test you once but you know you won't get the results for another couple weeks so you're still out there spreading it more well and then we have another problem here in utah we use these pcr tests yeah so which are they can find it even if you've had it depending on how much they amplify it, mm-hmm. they can find really old strains. So you can come back, you can get sick with the flu, mm-hmm. but you had Corona two months ago, get in, get an over amplified PCR test and you'll test positive for Corona. And if you die, they will flag you as dying from Corona, even though you were really dying of the flu. Well, the flu, it's just, I guess you can call the coronavirus an add on to other viruses because it's going to amplify everything no, that you I'm saying have is, wrong. If you had it two months ago, you've recovered, you're over it. Well, you, you may recover from it, but it's still immune. Your immune system's been weakened. Not necessarily. Mine has, but anyway. <laughs> okay. But what I'm saying is, um, if you caught it two months ago and you've made a full recovery, yeah. you, you could still, that doesn't, you could, it could be inactive in your system, mm-hmm. completely inactive, but you have some shreds of, of the DNA or RNA in your system. The PCR test can detect those, mm-hmm. even though they're inactive, you can't infect and you have no symptoms, but you could also have the flu. And then if you die, you'll get flagged as a Corona case because of that PCR test. Okay. That's the one test though. But but this is all still new, right? That's yes. So we can, we have tools. We just don't know how to go about refining them. We just don't know what we're doing. We have a big (laughs) chunk of rock. We want a wheel, Yeah. but the wheel, we, (laughs) yeah, we're throwing (laughs) sticks at it. (laughs) So that's where we are right now. Sometimes when you do that, the rock rolls over on you. And then you die of Corona. <laughs> and then you die of Corona. <laughs> well played. Well played, sir. See? Find the humor and damn everything. <laughs> okay. And that's where I wanted to lead to for my next point here. And that is, we talked about fallacy number one, which is whether or not reducing particle count actually reduces transmissions. Mm-hmm. Then there's another logical fallacy in the assumption that reducing transmissions saves lives. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Well, you're right? saying that masks and stuff like that are the band-aid, which they are right now, because you know we don't have a vaccine that's open to everyone. I'm saying it's not only is it a band-aid, but it's it's a it's a pus bacteria mold covered band-aid. <laughs> that, Literally, they've they they found mold, you know, fungal spores and bacteria growth on masks, mm-hmm. which could exacerbate pneumonia if you did get pneumonia from this virus they could make it worse right well that's what i was saying the virus amplifies you know it's the add-on yeah but what if the, what if the bacteria is the add-on you know so you get well, the, the virus. bacteria yeah i mean anything that you get is going to still make you sick because we are weak creatures i'm still going to you know wear a mask because it's you know mandated in stores and stuff like that but it's also for my thing my that's the problem right there that it's mm. that's mandated in stores yeah that's what you hate you you your behavior is therefore controlled it's mandated on you if it's mandated in stores right or any other place where you can engage with the general population right yeah so the the point that i'm trying to get at with this rock rolling on you mm-hmm. right is that if 
masks can actually extend the duration of the virus they may they may they could potentially increase the penetration depth of the virus meaning more people actually get the virus than would have happened if you just let the virus take a natural course okay so you may end up actually killing more people that that's kind of what happened what was it that um they were saying they wanted to infect children with um measles Early, you know, because Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, children can get it quicker. You know, if they're young, they'll get better faster and they'll never have it again. So, you know, infect them now. And then when measles is dead, what's measles infection fatality rate? uh, That's I don't even know. Uh, You would have to look it up. But, you know, that that was the thing back in the day. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to have our kids play with these other kids who have measles, get them infected. And then when they, you know, grow out of it, they won't have it again. So it's like. What are you going to do, right? Are you going to... Prisoners did this. You know, they got infected with the corona. And they're like, okay, I have corona. We're going to infect this other prison population. And maybe we get our sentences reduced. You know? Okay. That's not what I'm talking about with masks, obviously. No, 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 no. But it I'm was talking just, about trying to not get it. And then no. having that result in more people actually contract the disease. Because you didn't fully stop the transmission, you just <laughs> slowed it. Again, it's like trying to pour gasoline on a fire saying, I want to get a fire started, so I'm going to use this whole can of gas and see if that gets it going first, you know? Let's just light it up. <laughs> yeah, again, that's the opposite of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, you're trying to put the fire out, right? Well, you want to put a fire out. But it, but it's like an electrical fire or something. What And, and what is you're it? You're using a grease it's fire. Like, yeah. It's like a grease fire, right? And, and you use f- water. And you use water. And then it... it yeah. explodes and causes more damage. That's what I'm talking about. You're trying to suppress it with the masks. You're not trying to get people sick. You're not trying to do the prison thing. I think you it's are, just a mad scramble. That's what it is. But. You're trying to suppress it. And the issue is that sometimes with complex systems, when you modify one variable, right? Um, you can actually create adverse effects. It's like in WoW when they try to like balance something and they they <laughs> they drop one weapon or ability, right? And they don't realize that that was the only ability that was keeping something else in check. Mm-hmm. And then that other thing becomes OP, right? Well, it's like it's like when they try to like introduce spe- uh, species or take species out, right? Oh yeah, out of an ecology, and then suddenly something else just takes over that was being checked, right? Because it's a complex system, you don't know the 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 out outcome of that. So it's the same with the virus. There's other things that could happen too. You suppress virus for three months. You could potentially suppress all viruses for three months, right? Mm-hmm. And then something happens that causes the, the, the population to get out, you know? Maybe there's a protest. Maybe schools reopen. But the, and now you've had, you know, six months to a year of viruses that were suppressed that all come out at the same time. Mm-hmm. So now the entire population catches corona, influenza A, B, C, all at the same <laughs> time, and it becomes much more lethal than if they had caught them one at a time over the summer. Right, I, I get what you're saying, but there's all these variables that we don't know, we don't understand. Yeah, and yet we're applying this precautionary principle to mandate behavior. It's a problem. Okay, more heavy stuff. We're switching topics. Here, man. <laughs> That's all I had on masks. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be pulled over by a thug than a cop. True, actually, yes. Yeah, I agree with you. Because like the thug is more likely to say "God bless you." You know, yeah, and leave. Have yeah. a nice day. Right. Thank you for your money. Exactly. You know, I took your car. <laughs> Everything's cool. You know. Exactly. Right. He has courtesy. Thank you. <laughs> Whereas a cop pulls you over, dude. No, there's no courtesy. You're in danger. You know what I mean? Well, a he's on edge. 
Right. B, he d- he doesn't want to hear any like he doesn't want to talk. Hear any, yeah. yeah. He's not there to talk. He's not. He's just not there anything. to help you. He's not there to talk. He's not in a good mood. Would it be better to be pulled over by an autonomous officer, a robot? I think so. That you would just get. You know, he's completely autonomous, but he's not going to kill you. Yeah. If they if they weaponize the autonomous robots, that's a problem. Yeah, Terminator. But, yeah. But if they can't physically engage you, yeah, I'd rather a be box pulled over. By it's a like robot. a box, a floating box. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. The f- weapon of the future. <laughs> I think I'd rather have that. I mean, people are going to be concerned about like mass surveillance, but I would rather be pulled over by, I mean, for, for stuff like that, for traffic citations or whatever, like I'd, yeah. I'd rather, you know, or like for mask enforcement. I know you had to sneak that one in, but yes. <laughs> yeah. You're, I, you don't wear a mask in your car though. I mean, I've seen people do it and I had a thought on that. There's people. <laughs> so I was sitting there and this guy was coming out of a sandwich place, gets in his truck and he had a sandwich in one hand and a little dog in the other. And he's backing out very awkwardly. And he had his mask on. And I just looked at him. I said, we're not going to make it, are we? <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what de-evolution is, my friend, right there. That is a picture. That is like a perfect picture painting of de-evolution. <laughs> I had that scene from Terminator where he looked at the kids shooting each other with the fake guns. I'm like... We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. No fate, but what we make. No, we make. Carbon, no fate. After that, you spent the rest of your day just thinking. Wife comes in, what are you doing? No fate, Fate, but what we make. (laughs) Oh, man. We are effed, dude. Yeah. (sighs) Richard Pryor was in Superman 3? Yes, he was. What the hell? He was a bad guy. That, he was the bad guy? He was the bad guy. Shit, I gotta watch this movie. I haven't even seen it. Superman 3 is not the greatest. It's but. Richard fucking Pryor. Richard Pryor is not... If you want to see a good one, um, hear no evil, see no evil. That's a good that one. That is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, watch that again. What was the other one where they're like escaped convicts and they had to go to a rodeo? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, uh, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name of yeah, it. In that movie, though, his wife was saying, you know, she did an interview... She's like, I can't really watch that movie too much because it's when he had a lot of his drug problems. Oh shit! Yeah, so she's like, Why do some of the best comedians have drug problems? You know, like it's I guess Mitch Hedberg, right? Fucking look at Robin Williams. Look what happened to him, yeah. right? Robin Williams, Richard Pryor, fucking amazing, like just geniuses, yeah. uh, comedic fucking geniuses. You know what I mean? Uh, I think it's just about the pressure that they go through it's like hey you know you can make me laugh well here's the thing about comedy dude that I've, I've been trying to write jokes right mm-hmm. for a little while for the show you know and um it's uh I think some of the best jokes if I've ever written jokes that I think were actually funny the ones that are the best are the ones that come from pain yeah like a sad situation because you're trying to make yourself feel at least a little better, you know. It's weird, but some some of the things it's like it's like when people can relate and when it's true sincere pain. Mm-hmm. Like that's what like that's the chord that you strike, right? Yeah. That it's like I don't know what it is, something something about it. I have notes on it, but yeah, there is something about pain that resonates comedically with the right surprise or the right punchline. You know what I mean? It just mm-hmm. it's interesting, but. To write comics, I almost feel like to be a really good comic, you know what I mean? Like extraordinary. Yeah. You have to suffer. You do. Almost. I mean, you know what I mean? You, you got to know what it's like to go through certain aspects, you know, that have life just throw everything at you and take the rug out from underneath yeah. you. And then you get up and go, 
well, that could have been a lot better, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you go, well, keep moving forward. But after you have those, and it, I've seen comedians where they struggle, where they don't get it. I've seen comedians, like, you, you did you see the Joker movie? Not yet, dude. No, I, yeah. I want to watch it. Uh, he, his sense of humor is warped. You know, it's all dark, right? Right. So anything dark is humorous to him. But everything that he says, like, he's like, oh, tell us a joke. And he's like, uh, knock, knock. I'm sorry, man, but your son was in a car accident. He laughs at that, you know, and they're like, that's not funny. And he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I'm tired of pretending that things that aren't funny are, you know, (laughs) that's how he thinks. So that, that, that kind of sense of humor, it happens to comedians at times where they're just like, I, you know, either they don't have the trauma or they don't remember a lot of what, how they got there and they just kind of coast on whatever they can. They become less funny. That is something that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they maybe they heal and they become less funny. Um, there's there's something interesting with a lot of book writers. I think I've maybe mentioned this on the show before, right? Like, if you ever get famous for writing a book mm-hmm. or 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 becoming a famous musicians musician, one of the last fucking things that you want to do is quit your day job. True, because suffering. Mm-hmm. Is like what are those muse? It's like your muse, right? Like like pain is your muse. Well, it's a, a terms to relate to your fellow man, right? But it's not really once you get rid of that relatability, and you're making jokes about how oh, it's so hard to have eighteen champagne bottles right. in a tub. That's not relatable, exactly. So you're is that is that a specific reference you're making? Sounds- actually, that happened a while back. During again during the quarantine, uh, musicians are like, we need to pick people's spirits up. Madonna, tell us about it. And she went on this long rambling thing about how coronavirus makes us all equal, and how her champagne is cold. And it's like this isn't relatable. This isn't right. This isn't doing anything. I'm in some pain thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is, and that's interesting too. So Katy Perry was doing a big push. I know. I know this because her ad for her music video kept showing up on my freaking YouTube feed like every five minutes. What are you searching to get Carrie Payne? Hey. Yeah. Shh. California girls. uh No. You you go to your search history and it's like, what are all these porn stars (laughs) doing here? What's this Asmund Gold one? (laughs) Uh, But it's that like, gotta get back that smile. You know, I don't know. Anyway, I was reading an uh-huh. article uh, and it's like a clown video. I don't know. It's like a dark clown. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, okay. It was it was like on replay constantly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, on YouTube. And I was so mad because it kept coming. I was like, look up. You, you can't force me to listen to your freaking song. You know what I mean? They will, but anyway. And, and um, so, but it's interesting because I, I read an article about it that her album sales are struggling. And the, one of the interesting things they brought up is it's like, it's just so off. It's like about her getting over some of her personal problems kind of, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it's like, I don't think you understand where the world is right now. Yeah. You no, know what the, I mean? Like no one wants to know about that. Cares about your like wealthy, successful, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like personal problems right now. Like we're all on the brink of war in, in some of our minds. You know what I mean? Like we are not, we don't care. Yeah. That you got back your smile because <laughs> we can't smile right now. Yeah. And uh, no one can. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. If you make I, a, a new song about like, uh, what's it called? Undo, unpaid hospital bills, you know? Right. 
That's relatable. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right now, and that's it's kind of interesting because we talked about that being the show, like me not being able to like watch comedy right now. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. Like I'm. Um, Are you numb to it? I'm kind of just. I'm, I can't relate to joy right now. I you think you, mean? maybe you've gone so far into logic that you know you've just kind of like disconnected yourself from that side. It would take a little bit of work back getting back to it, but it's doable. Maybe maybe I can just force it on people. No, that doesn't really <laughs> see. You don't want to. You don't want to be the comedian going. Now this is funny because I find it funny. You know, yeah. you don't find it funny, but I do. <laughs> like okay, uh, what's that comedian? Um, uh, the Man in the Moon. Uh, Jim Carrey played him. I don't know. He so his comedy was funny to him. Oh, I think uh, I know what you're talking about. But yeah. I didn't see the movie, but yeah, yeah. So it's like he would have a guy he hired in the audience, and he would just berate him. Okay. So he's like, "Huh, you like eating dinner, huh? Yeah, here's some water on your head. You know, how about that? You know." And he's and the guy's like getting really upset, and he's and he's an actor though. He paid him. Okay. So he's just berating this guy, and then you know Andy Kaufman, that's his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's like. You find this funny, but how many other people are going to actually be a part of that? You know, did it? I didn't hear anyone else in the room laughing, but you know, you guys found this hilarious. You know, it's like the people that call up uh, a fake bomb threat, you know, and they find that hilarious because that's funny to them, but not everyone else. Yeah, it kind of comes from your experience, right? Like to them, that's funny because maybe they can relate in some sense because of pain. You yeah. Know, they have some sort of pain that is so dark and bleak that that type of a thing is therefore then funny. Yeah. It's kind of like the Joker, but yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah, because I think your humor comes from what you can relate to a lot, you know, it's, and your joy too. Again, your music, what yeah. you love, you got to be able to relate to it. And right now, artists, I'm curious to see what this does to, to, to change music culture over the next couple of days you know what i mean i think we are going to go through an evolution of we could use another renaissance another rebirth which would be interesting yeah and we might an explosion of ideas you know we might go through one right now because people aren't picking up the same thing that was being put down last year you know what i mean (laughs) you gotta go through a few plagues before you get the renaissance (laughs) (laughs) see gotta do it (laughs) Gotta, gotta, gotta go through a few plagues where you get that renaissance so brought about to, yeah. <laughs> to bring on the renaissance some crazy Mozart out there is like I'm gonna change the world right now yeah I'm gonna give it back corona <laughs> put it back on them yeah 